0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles.
1: If there are any things that you have wanted to talk about or things that we've glossed over that you want to talk more about, I would love to hear them Um, and we'll have a conversation about them or I'll answer questions about them or whatever, um, whatever you would like. So... Anybody want to start? Anything, like, burning that you want to discuss? People we have crushes on? <laughs> oh, you can tell me. Who do you – why is Nati such a jerk, still such a jerk? I mean, it's a great question. I, those kinds of questions I'm not going to really be able to answer because I didn't write the show. But um my, my guess is that, you know, Nati is playing this role of – this kind of lost soul and doesn't know how to – be who he truly is, get the things he wants, and also be taken care of in the ways that he thinks he deserves to be. Um, I think that his, like, jerkiness, uh, is now transferring into a little bit of, um, ignorance, right, around his brother and around what it means to be in a family where someone has come out as gay or someone is presenting, you know, as, as a different gender or choosing to whatever. In his case, it's that his brother is gay. Um, and I think that he's just lost. He just doesn't know how to identify in a world that is completely new to him. So I think that's where the jerkiness is coming from. Um, Rachel is, Rachel and Norm are having a conversation. The two of you live together. You could continue this conversation. Um, he has not matured yet through the series the way some other characters have. And then Norm said to his wife, "I think that most of them are cheaters, lying to employers and work colleagues as well as friends, etc." Um, I really um, intending just to make a completely separate issue than, than Rachel did. Oh, 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 oh! Sorry, I thought you were responding to her. Okay. Um, yeah, no, he hasn't, he has not matured. I I agree with you. And, And at the same time, I think that he's also gone through, uh, kind of higher peaks and lower valleys in terms of his life in this show. Um, everyone else is, you know, dealing with life stuff. And I think that he's had like major things taken, like his mother taken away from him and also major improvements in terms of his uh, kind of life's achievements and as being a doctor. So I think that he's, he's just dealing with all of these ups and downs. I think he just doesn't know where to kind of find his place yet. Um, okay. And then Norm had a completely different point where he said, I think that most of them, them being the characters are cheaters, lying to employers and work colleagues as well as friends. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I, I mean, again, I think that, that each of these characters is building a certain type of character, right? Not just character in the sense of like an acting character, but a type of person, someone who, hi Michael, someone who is uh, dealing with family life, someone who's dealing with religiosity, someone else who's dealing with marriage. I think that they're all trying to figure out who they are. And some of that comes with, not exactly knowing how to be truthful to who, you know, who they want to be and um, their own, their own true self. So I, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think that they're supposed to be kind of cast as, um, as cheaters or as people who are trying to get their way out of something. But I agree with you that, that, that that is a common theme of of trying to figure out who they are and sometimes getting away from what might be the, the Derek, so to speak. Um, Debbie and Steve, then Renee, then Denise.
2: So I, I just, you know, responding to the question, why is Nati such a jerk? I feel first off his role in the series, he's kind of a foil for the other yeah. characters. A good example was when the, the, the gay issue, um, the other characters struggle with it, but the, it, for for Nati, his lines are just these outright uh, anti gay statements yeah uh, the other characters are are struggling with it. The second thing with Nati is is that uh, getting to back getting back to why he is a jerk. I feel like the writers of the show were kind of throwing him a bone a little bit on two episodes ago. If you remember at the very beginning of the of the episode he he has the, it starts with him getting two days off at, of work and he starts looking looking around for somebody to hang out with and he can't find anybody, and everybody's commenting, oh, my gosh, you've got two days. Like, like wow. And I felt like I was a single us. Maybe this is why he's such a jerk, because he's working all the time. He doesn't have any mm. social life. He's all work, all school. And I uh, thought that, that they were just trying to, like, maybe just give us an idea as to why he is the way he is. So.
1: Yeah, that's a really – that's a I I love that. I hadn't put those two things together, but I, I like that idea a lot. I
3: wanted to add, like, another twist to it. Yeah, go ahead. So as the oldest son, um, I think he was probably very spoiled and he's a doctor, you know, and, and there's, there's, um, the dad says early on, you know, this is kind of like Roy, like, you know, you don't really want to be with him. This is the good one. So he's been kind of put up on this pedestal and is used to kind of getting to do whatever he wants. Cause you know, he's number one, he's a doctor and mm-hmm. you know, doctors are amazing, right? They're the best, Right. Right.
1: <laughs> of course, especially ones named Debbie. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that, that they're definitely presenting us with a very typecast character in Nati, that he's very successful, but not socially. Um, and that he is this kind of, I can always get what I want. And so I don't have to be nice about it until I don't get what I want. And then not being nice is, is, you know, a, a problem for me. Um, but I had never, I had never thought about the doctor piece being such an influence in his in his social behavior. But it makes total sense because, as Steve, you pointed out, you know, there there are elements of being overworked or at least being um, completely consumed in your work that might. Make you miss out on opportunities to learn some of those skills that you otherwise would learn if you were kind of out in the world as opposed to in whatever profession, not just being a doctor all the time. Um, and I wonder if that is there. That was the point of, of sharing that with us. I, I really don't know. And I really do feel for Nati. I know I, I said this at the beginning of the show. I don't excuse his behavior, but I do feel for him because I, I think that there are moments that, that we see in his character, that if he had just a little bit more self-confidence and a little bit more self-awareness, a lot of these things would go away. I think he's trying to be something that he's not really sure, you know, which foot to put forward when he's, when he's going into his life. And, um, and I've seen it in many people in my own life, you know, not unsure of who they want others to think of them as, or who they want to present as, or what does it look like for me to be religious but have a gay sibling, or what does it look like for me to all of a sudden be religious? Right? How do you, how do you portray your role out in the world um, to get the response that you want? Uh, Renee,
4: Renee, I was barking. There's a gardener's truck right on my front of the house. I'm just concerned—not concerned. I guess I was just th- been thinking about in all of the episodes um, the 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 meatos the way they represent the Midos of these characters, and just the dichotomy. It's like they switch into these other roles, but there's not a lot of like um, tra- transition. It's like black and white, which is, I mean, somewhat the way the the. Some of the Haredis are black and white, but some of those characters weren't Haredi necessarily. But the switch was like, oh, you know, today I'm religious, tomorrow I'm not religious. And and it, it doesn't, I can't imagine that in real life, I mean, even for myself, making the transition to becoming more religious, that you just don't wake up one morning and decide you're not religious. And they, they didn't really show the development of that.
1: Very much. Yeah, it's a really interesting point. Um, the the idea, oh, me don't, like the attributes or values. or um, Yeah, it's, this is one of the things that Rai Pernick and I actually talk about a lot when we're discussing this show. And I think I actually brought it up a few weeks ago, and he in front of all of you said something to the effect of, isn't that the whole point of the whole show? To which, yeah, but I also think it's important to discuss that there is something very... Uh, interesting happening in this show that they are portraying modern orthodox young people who some of whom grew up more or more religious and others who grew up just this way who are now trying to become less religious or are just living in the modern world that is constantly changing whereas the religion and the cultures are not changing and one of the things that Roy Pernick and I talk a lot about is that he and I both came to our level of religiosity, of observance, whatever word you want to use, I uh, throughout our lives this is not how we grew up either of us. Um I grew up in the conservative movement, but I but I didn't grow up Shomer Shabbat, Shomer uh we were a kosher, I guess. So Shomer Shabbat, Shomer Chag. Um Those kinds of things. I didn't grow up with that, though we went to conservative, you know, shul and camp and all those things. Rai Pernick's father, who you've met a million times, is a rabbi. So Rai Pernick really didn't grow up in the modern Orthodox world and came to that later. So... I do think those development pieces that we often don't talk about, both in our own personal stories, but also in the show's development of their characters, is very important. Because you're right, it's not a switch. It doesn't just – you don't decide one Shabbos, I'm going to keep Shabbat. And because if you didn't know – if you didn't know the kind of gradients from not keeping Shabbat to keeping Shabbat, you would sit in a pitch black house – and just sit there because you'd be afraid that you if you touched anything or you did anything, you'd be breaking Shabbat, so there have to be levels that you that you learn and that you you know try out i guess experiment with to get to those levels of religiosity and one of the pieces of this show that I think is um I'm going to use the word troubling. That's a little bit more dramatic than I mean it to be. Is uh, like those moments when we were talking about them being shomer negia or um, observing the laws of Yehud. And then all of a sudden they're hugging each other or they're staying in a room together. And it's like, wait a second, wait a second. You can't say that you're observing those laws and then not observe them. So that those pieces are part of that development, that they're kind of willing to... Willing to hold on to some strictures in certain areas or with certain people, but not if you were to think of it as cut and dry in terms of laws, they're clearly not holding them to those quote, letter of the law. Shtizl is a very different type of show in that way, right? You get a Haredi family and you stick with a Haredi family. And there are moments of, you know, trying to get into the modern world for sure, but you don't see their actions or development uh, in the same kind of way. So I do hope that Rabbi Pernick and I talk a little bit more about that over time. Um, I think I'm a little bit more interested in it as like a theme of the show than he is, which is why whenever I bring it up, it kind of gets... Pushed under the rug, but I do think it is I do think is important because it's not just these characters who have experienced that. All of us have experienced that to, to some extent. Um I think every I mean I'll get off my soapbox in one second. But I I think that every Shabbos we experience that, right? Like there are some Shabbatot that it feels more comfortable to do this than it does to do that. Or there are some Shabbatot where you remember to turn on the lights and leave them on and the other Shabbatot that you don't. I don't think it's like a big trajectory. I think it could also be day-to-day, week-to-week. Denise and then Michael.
0: So I think um, so. just a short comment on this topic of yeah. showing the the transitions and the progress. I think part of that is like, it's a little bit, the audience that this was originally written for knows that stuff. Yeah. So it might just be that they're not, they didn't feel it was necessary to connect those dots because your know the audience knows the laws, knows the tensions, is familiar with it. It's, it's just part that. of their yeah. daily life. Yeah, and you know, they're just more cognizant on yeah. those things. A great point. Um, and then I forgot my original point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't because I got. I was thinking so much about this as you were talking about it. Um, but with oh, in regards to the idea of them being all dishonest and cheaters and that, yeah, and that um, I didn't. I didn't feel that they were so much cheaters inherently. Mm -hmm. I felt like those instances kind of highlight or underscore how hard it is to navigate being in kind of a religious, very stringent framework Mm -hmm. and trying to kind of chart your own course Mm -hmm. and not knowing who's going to be okay with it and when and how. And sometimes just not having the patience or the time to explain or jump through up the hoops and you just do something and that's it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a great point. So that's all. I didn't think it was so much of a, I, you know, I think in some cases it could be, but I I felt like a lot of them, it's, it's more just the logistics than character issues.
1: Sure. Yeah, I think it's also part of that development that we were also just talking about, right, that that you trying out new things, it might seem as though it's um, incongruous with the with the character or, um, or lying to a certain extent in terms of who you actually are. But maybe it's just that development of like trying things out and uh, like the rebellious phase. Right? <laughs> yeah.
0: And like, like Rabbi, I went to hear Rabbi Jonathan sack last year. Hmm. And he, somebody asked him a question about, are you, he was saying something and somebody started going to put this in your book and he laughed and he said, well, there's the message that people need to hear. And then there's the message that they're prepared to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he said, and he was, and he said, you know, his whole job as a, as a rabbi and as someone who tries to bring together different communities is knowing when people are prepared for various messages. Sure. sure. yeah. So I felt like that is this. <laughs> it's a really good lesson. Okay, Michael. So,
5: yeah, go ahead. I know, I just had to unmute myself. There were three points listening that I wanted to briefly mention. Yeah. Number one is that much of the audience in Israel may not be a religious audience. True. If you think about it, that the majority of the population is secular – yeah. Notwithstanding who controls marriage conversion, and other religious issues, yeah. and that's probably more likely the group that's going to be watching television in the first place
1: mm-hmm. so sure.
5: it's something I, at least to think about, though yeah. certainly I'm sure there are modern orthodox who who would be watching it. But I suspect much of the population it's not dot who's watching this program
4: yeah,
5: second of all, I found that the transgression the transition is mostly from being dot T to non dot T as opposed to building up the experience that you and rabbi pernick have Mm. mostly going the other way. I can't really think of some other than that woman who's trying to learn what it means to be dot T, the actress who really, right. Uh, they all have quite a bit of fun with that Shabbat. Other than her, I don't immediately recollect anyone who's quote, trying to go up as a, well, I shouldn't say, uh, uh, Lamar, Lamar, that's not, probably not fair. Not uh, hood right. hood. But in terms of folks who are trying to go from a non dot to a dot-T, it's mostly dot-T to experimenting with non-dot-T. And as we saw, for example, uh, just the last couple of weeks with the tattoo, the boyfriend's all of a sudden not so happy. Right. So right. There, there are limits as to, and, and, uh, Hoda, Hoda has had, had moments where she's really not so sure. The yeah. last comment I wanted to make is about Nadi. Yeah. And I think his character has basic character flaws that go beyond religiosity. And well, certainly the gay incident that 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 would hit me very strongly. Yeah. But what also hit me was that false marriage proposal about three four months back. At oh yeah, wow. I
1: mean, okay. That
5: was yeah. really he did. That's not even a matter of being dot T or dot T or Orthodox or yeah. Reform. I mean, that's just basic common sense and humanity to to, uh, have his ex-girlfriend break up with her and he knew that they were about to get married and and they were practically married. Yeah, And he really screwed her up, big time, if I may say so. So Nadi has problems, I think. His character has problems that go beyond a a, a religious, although certainly you can look at them in a religious context, absolutely. But I think even in a secular context, yeah, there are some deep character flaws. Thanks. A
1: hundred percent, and um, and I think that that's part of the beauty of it. Actually, that it's not just about his religiosity, or oh, that's such a conservative boy way of being, or orthodox man way of being, or whatever. That it's it's really just his own person. It has nothing to do with his Judaism. At times, it has to just do with his own. Behaviors, and I like that. I like that because there are so many stereotypes that go along with religion to begin with. Any religion, not just Judaism, that I like that some of his uh, flaws and some of the other characters' flaws as well have nothing to do with their religion. They just have to do with their own uh, their own baggage and their own uh, character. The other piece that you mentioned about um, about the the like the observance and changing and whatnot, I. I agree with you, and I think that, um, Reut, to a certain extent, has become less religious than, um, than she grew up, especially in terms of how she dresses. But again, I, I don't love the, like, the sliding scale of, of sects of Judaism, because I think that, You can get someone who is reform, who is extremely knowledgeable and extremely observant, and you can get someone who is Haredi, who is only Haredi because they were born into that world and so they look the part but they don't necessarily know any of the reasons why they do anything they do. and and I think that that like seeing it as a spectrum from from low to high, right, is unfair to the people who are in between. Um, and I'm not saying that you said that. I'm just I'm just voicing that as my own opinion. Um, and and I think that at times. Yeah, yeah. And I think that at times you you change your religious practice also based on the the world that you're living in. So for example, I think I've shared this in this class before. When I was learning halacha for the first time in, in rabbinical school, like really learning it, not just talking about, you know, how to keep kosher, but really learning laws of intricate, um, details of, of Judaism, Rabbi Aaron Alexander mentioned that it's a very, it's a very dangerous subject to learn because the more that you learn about halacha, the more you understand loopholes and you understand ways of getting around things and you understand leniencies. So at that point, you you will be observing halakha, but it might not look like the halakha that someone else is practicing because you know so much that you're able to kind of get around things. I feel the same way about about observance because for Rayut for example she's not changing anything about her own connection to her religion but she realizes that in wearing pants nothing is going to happen to her uh in terms of her connection to god or her connection to community and so would someone say that's breaking halakha yeah maybe and at the same time, I don't know that she's becoming less religious. She's just aware of kind of the societal norms uh, around her that will help her improve other aspects of her of her person. Um, in terms of, I can't speak for Rabbi. Well, I can speak for Rabbi Parnick, but I won't. I'll speak for myself. Um, uh, you know, one of the one of the things that I I think is really important about anybody changing their path of Path of observance is making sure that it's done with lots of lots of love and lots of respect, uh, both for the people around you in terms of your friends and also your family, and that's one thing that I think Hodaya is missing, that she kind of dismisses her family from this process as opposed to engages them in it, uh, and and in this case I can speak for Rabbi Pernick. I know that that is something that for both of us is was extremely important in our journeys of. Becoming more religious than our parents' household, for example. Um, neither he or I will walk into our parents' home and tell them how to cook something or what pots to use or, you know, just because our house, our houses (laughs) would look different than theirs, you know, doesn't mean that, that that's, that that's not something that we can impose on them. And that's not how everybody is. I'm just explaining how I think, how I think it should be. Um, so in that way, I, I do like the idea that Yifat, for example, in learning how to be a religious married woman is trying to figure it out with her husband as opposed to going to other religious women or other, um, you know, like a kala class or something where you might learn that from a rabbi's wife, uh, that she's really going to her partner and saying, what's going to work for us? How is this going to help us? Whereas Hodeya is not doing that. She's figuring out her own secular life, divorced from her family, which is going to keep her apart from her family. So anyway, that was just that was just a piece of this show that I that I would have loved to have seen more of. Back to Renee's point. Um a little bit more of that development and kind of like the psyche of the characters as they were going through these different these different changes. Um yeah, Renee and then Denise.
4: Yeah, and since you brought it up, I was also curious as to why they didn't have, she didn't go to a college class or yeah. a class for both of them together. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't either, for that matter. Yeah. And, and there's no, there hasn't been really any talk of like her family. Like, is her family accepting of her being more from or not being, or not accepting of her being more from? So I
1: don't think that she's any more from. I think that she kind of grew up this way. At least that's the that's the impression that I get. Like it seems like a lot of her knowledge comes kind of from growing up that way rather than figuring it out along along her you know adult years. Um the Kala class is very interesting. So college class, for those of you who don't don't know, are classes that you would take with uh, usually the rabbi's wife um, to learn different laws around being a married woman. And uh, for the first time, learning a little bit about sexuality, because in that world, you wouldn't have had any experience or really any education around what your sexual life is going to be like being married. Um there are many different ways in which Kala classes are very helpful, and many different ways in which Kala classes are extremely destructive. Uh, not not destructive like into the marriage, but just in terms of a person's own ability to understand um, their their own bodies. Right? It's, if you've watched um, Unorthodox, I think this is what happened. I think it's in Unorthodox where this happens. Yeah, where she's having her Kala classes at like I don't know, fifteen or however old she is, and she's being told about her vagina for the first time. And they're, they're describing it like a hallway with a door and, and she's like, what? There's a hallway inside me, right? She doesn't, she doesn't have any concept of how to feel. Those are color classes, right? I mean, they're done better nowadays and in more modern, um, uh, communities, obviously, but That's what a call class would be for, is to kind of expose you to those types of topics that you might not have had before. I don't know why they didn't go to those classes, and I also don't know that they didn't, right? It might just be assumed that for a modern Orthodox couple that they either already knew that information or they went and they just didn't have to bring it into the show. Um, We will see later on in the show that they do end up, um, you know, seeking advice together as a couple, uh, both religious. Religiously, there we go, uh, and also just you know merrily. So we will see that, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know why but they did. The
4: rabbi, that. the rabbi that married them also didn't even like know them. That, huh? Yeah, didn't even didn't know, know them. Them as a couple, just to find out who they were, how they met. Yeah. I mean, even like forget about the religious piece of it, just in general.
1: Yeah, I do think that that's a more modern thing. Like even in twenty twenty one, there are people. I'm mean, a friend of mine got married by a rabbi who didn't know her, but knew her now husband, right? I I, I think that rabbis who want to get to know the people who are who they are marrying do. And there are some couples that don't really care. Like as long as the rabbi can do the stuff under the chuppah, like it doesn't really matter to them. So it's not necessary, but I agree with you that it was a little bit bizarre that at the ketubah signing where we saw the rabbi, he didn't even know what was happening. He didn't know who was supposed to be there. He didn't know who the groom was, <laughs> right? So um, that, that did seem or a the even also right. 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 Yeah. Okay. Denise.
0: So I was thinking the whole week about, um, a reaction to the tattoo and Norm's reaction to Asaf of him saying, you know, he has a right to say something about what his partner looks like. And if he's yeah. attracted and, and it just stuck with me partly because Norm is very earnest and and I just know him and trust that everything comes from a good place. <laughs> so it made me like more open to hearing the message and it made me question my own self, you know, of like, why was this so irritating? Mm-hmm. And, and I think the reason that it, it bothered me so much is because he wasn't coming from Norm's good place. Mm. He wasn't saying anything about, you know, I'm the person that's with you. And I want to look at you and just be like twinkling with every speck of you. And I just can't feel that when I look at this bird on your shoulder, he wasn't saying that he was kind it was just like this steel curtain came down. No, that was wrong. It had nothing even to do. It triggered a feeling in him, but the feeling in him was triggered only because of how he was programmed. This is wrong. This is bad. We don't do this full stop. Don't even go there. You mm-hmm. know? That's what bugged me is that he was, it was very rigid of him.
1: Yeah, well, I think it was a trigger, right? When you come from a world where that's not okay, he's become comfortable. I think I might've said this last week, he becomes comfortable with eating shellfish, right? He's now totally fine eating shrimp because he's brought himself to feel comfortable about that. But the tattoo is still a trigger that brings him back to a world in which that's really not okay in any way, shape or form is that okay. Um Obviously, neither is shrimp, but he's he's brought himself to a place where he can, no pun intended, stomach that as opposed to the tattoo. So <laughs> I, I do. Um, I agree that that Norm's Norm's point last week was was made, you know, it was a was a good one and was made with um With the implication that in partnership, you would obviously want to please your partner um, Mm -hmm. and make sure that anything you were doing that was shared between you and your partner would be, uh, would be known and would be decided upon together. Yeah. The other thing that I'll just say about this is that they are clearly, when talking about, you know, character arcs here and religiosity, they're clearly at very different points in this journey, right? He... He has already been secular for quite a long time. She has not. So I'm sure many of you know, if not all of you, know people who have decided to become religious and went straight off the deep end before they came back <laughs> kind of to center. Yeah. And the opposite, right? People who left you know, 12 years of Jewish day school and decided I'm going to go all the way secular and then kind of came back a little bit when they had to plan a wedding or, you know, had a kid or something. Yeah. Um, but I think that happens. I think those, that kind of boomerang effect happens when people are are experiencing differences in their religious uh, journeys. So other thoughts, questions? things that have not been brought up that you're curious about?
3: I used to like Hodea a lot more than I am. I think she's beautiful and all, but I I just, I empathize with her more before this walking out. And he's younger and she's older and she, I don't know, she just seems meaner or something, more um, self-involved.
1: Hmm. <coughs> oh, I, she's definitely going through a lot. She's yeah. going through a whole thing right now. But that's interesting. It's an interesting way of of seeing her. Leonard, were you gonna say something? No? Okay. Leonard, Rebecca, were you gonna say anything? No?
3: No, sorry. I was just uh um
2: We were discussing amongst ourselves.
3: Yeah, sometimes No, I it's fine. I thought, way I, way thought way. I saw Leonard come yeah. to the computer, so I thought you were gonna say something. Oh. Oh, yeah, he he he. I don't, yeah, sometimes Leonard gets confused with the female characters, the names, and you know.
1: Right? Me too. I actually was worried about it for today because very often, as I'm sure you've all picked up on, I'll say, "Who is that? What's that person's name?" And Josh always knows. <laughs> I can't keep the names of any of these people straight, but for some reason, he can remember them. Um, I was I was just yeah. thinking about
3: what Karen was talking about. Hodaya, she um, she's she always seems so finely kind of a- a- aware of people's reactions to her. She's very sensitive. You know, she's, she's, she's probably thinking more that they're reading something into it or perceiving, Oh, is yeah. she, is she religious or she used to be, or she left or what's going, you know, yeah. then you know, they're probably not thinking that much about her, but she's just very, yeah, heightened. Um, it seems like very sensitive.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that I think Hodaya and Nati are actually very similar in a lot of ways, Um, that they are both very worried about what other people think of who they are, and it affects how they are in terms of their relationships with other people, because they, they clearly have very different personalities. Yeah, they're both very lost, exactly. They. They clearly aren't sure exactly who they are and in the process are, are I wouldn't say burning bridges, but they're definitely dropping people and things here and there while they're trying to figure out themselves. And yet they seem to be kind of the least close of the friend group, which is really interesting because I wonder if they would be helpful to one another or if they're just too much in the same place that they would, that they're kind of uh, like two, you know, magnets opposing one another because they're so similar in their journeys currently.
3: Um, I I was wondering uh, with Rayut having taken the trip to India. Yeah. Is that something that, that um, religious people sometimes do? And do they, you know, still keep, you know, Kashrut and Shomer Shabbos and yeah. all that in their travels to India, or is that was that her brief journey of kind of leaving the fold a little bit, knowing she was going to come back? So, so I think do they do they effectively um, travel easily to India?
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. Um, A lot of soldiers go to India uh, right after their service or to South America. Those are kind of the two places that they tend to go. Um, I do think India is, because it's kind of known for its spiritual connections, it is a a place that people are drawn to when they are at a loss for those types of connections. Um, And so I, though that wasn't what she was going through, or at least wasn't, what she verbally was telling the audience that she was going through. I do think that people associate India with like a place to find themselves and they're going to meditate and they're going to right. There's Chabad's all over India. Um I had a friend who spent quite a bit of time there and was very strictly kosher. So they, they have built India has also built up a very large, um knowing that many Jews are going to come and visit a very large uh kosher and jewish kind of scene so that when people come they can feel comfortable and they can stay longer um there's also a very i wouldn't say large there is a good size um population of jews in india as well so there's also um oh i didn't remember that that it was the mumbai chabad that was attacked in 2008 i didn't remember that um I lost my train of thought. But anyway, yes. So I think that has has a lot to do with it. And I don't actually remember if she comes back to that trip. Like, I don't don't remember if it affects her or what we learn of her later in the series. Uh, But it clearly was a place where she thought that she was going to have some time to think and ponder who she was and what she was going to be able to do. Yeah. Any other... Yeah, Karen said it seems like she didn't do that though. Well, she did, she just isn't sharing it with anybody, right? Because she does talk to Roe about how it wasn't a good experience. But as I would say to any of my students, like if, if you didn't have a good experience, you still learned something. So what did you learn from that bad experience? Right? She clearly, clearly had something went on that she learned from. That doesn't mean that it was a place she'll revisit, but but I do think she did enough thinking that she um, she experienced something. Something changed. And again, I can't remember if if she brings it back up in her character development or if it just gets kind of tabled. Uh, Renee,
4: yeah, I was curious. I asked you in the chat about the pregnancy test among the Charedi oh, uh, for or ultra or orthodox community because I know that there's a lot of. Um, things that they don't do, for instance, you know, when you they, they don't count their children or or like to talk about how many kids they have and things right. like that. So I was wondering if, like, yeah, if the pregnancy test that she did is also something that's generally not done. You know, like if they just wait until they happen to have a, a belly and then assume that they're pregnant
1: yeah. and then go
4: to a doctor, maybe or maybe not.
1: I don't. I don't know enough about pregnancy tests in the Haredi world, but definitely in the modern Orthodox world, which she's living in, they're totally fine. Um, and medical intervention really kind of of any, of any kind, which obviously this isn't an intervention, but like use of medical equipment. I don't know what you call pregnancy test. Um, is totally fine, right? Like the, the ability for her to, to in a modern day world, know if she's pregnant before going to a doctor is fine. Again, I don't know about what the Haredi world would say to that, um, but because she's modern exactly, it's totally fine. We can I mean Josh won't know uh, like from experience with the Haredi world, but I can ask him if he could look it
4: up. Yeah, like I mean I, I know they w I would they wouldn't do uh, you know, certain testing to find out if there's any deformities.
1: Right. So that's different because that is um the type of test. I always feel like I become a doctor in this these classes. I don't know why, like this show for some reason ends up ends up making me use all of the medical knowledge i have um which is not very much those tests are invasive right so they do uh they do a lot of genetic screening yes hopefully yeah some don't but but as long as it's um as long as it's not something that would affect the fetus. So I I'm forgetting what the test is that, that there's a needle that goes, do you remember? Amnos,
4: amniocentesis. Yeah. yeah
1: mm-hmm, that one. Um, that's one that you don't find many ultra Orthodox women doing. And I know that for a fact, because that comes up in terms of how you could potentially harm the fetus. And then that could lead to, you know, losing the baby or, or harming the baby, anything like that. So uh, that's not to say that that it isn't happening. I think that even even if women are living in the Haredi world these days, of which I know zero, so I can't ask. But even if they're living in that world, if if a woman is told that she might need to do a test to save her child, I believe, or maybe I naively want to believe that they still would do that, even if it's not something that is popularly. Uh, you know, spoken about in their community. Modern Orthodox world, yeah, you do it, you get tests, you, you know, you make sure that everything's healthy and everything's fine. Um, the Haredi world, I know very little about in terms of that.
4: But I know a lot of the ultra Orthodox wouldn't do that kind of testings that would even indicate anything genetic because they wouldn't abort.
1: You're talking about once the once they have conceived, not before. Um okay. Correct. Yeah. So there's, there are a lot of, there are a lot of tests that might be seen as more invasive that wouldn't be done in the Haredi world. Again, uh, like that is a stereotype. I don't believe that every woman follows that, but that would be the stereotype. Um, oh, Denise just said that now that intrauterine surgery is an option, there's more openness. Hmm, I didn't know that. Uh, Denise, did you, do you have something else or was that way do you want to say?
0: No, I just wanted to say that um, I really like Yifat and Amir's relationship. And I I wasn't crazy about him in the beginning. And he's sort of grown on me. And him as her partner, even when he was courting her and now as her husband, I just, I like him more every week. And I like them a lot together because even though they go through stuff, but they always grow by the end of the episode mm-hmm. as individuals and as a couple. Um, I don't know. And I, he just seems very earnest.
1: Yeah. I, <laughs> I think it was either last week or the week before that Rabbi Parnick mentioned that I'm a big Amir fan, which I, I am. I, I like, I, I don't think that I would go around saying I'm a big Amir fan, but I, I do like Amir, I guess. Um, I think that their relationship is kind of the most real, right? Like they go through things that are difficult and it's not always rainbows and butterflies as the resolution. Like they, I'm trying to think of a specific example, but, um, oh, with the car, right? When she knew that he had uh, gotten the car um, repaired.
0: Yeah, when he dented it. Right, and right? Yeah. she
1: knew, but he didn't know that she knew, you know, that, that whole thing that happens often in TV shows. Um, she she got him to really, to fess up and to say like, that wasn't okay. Just be honest with me next time. And like, we'll move on from it. But it wasn't as though she kind of backed away from it and, and he didn't push forward on it. And, and it feels like a very... Mm-hmm real relationship, which at times make it makes it feel very uncomfortable or very unstable. But I agree with you that that there is something very honest about their relationship. Yeah. Makes you want yeah. it to work and makes you want to see them support one another. Um, yeah. So and and we hope that they continue to. Uh, any other questions, thoughts? Okay. All right. Well, I, this was just a nice way for us to be able to check in, even though Roy Parnik and all of his folk um, were not here this week. But um, lovely to get to have some of these conversations. Lovely. And always, like, if there's something that we don't bring up or there's something that we were talking about, um, it seems like they don't go after when they upset they get through it. Oh, oh Amir and Ifat, Yeah.
3: After uh, each
1: other, like you know, yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure, for sure. They talk through it. They get through it. Even if their communication doesn't begin good, it they usually can can work through it. Um, okay, a if there's ever something, if there's ever something that we t- that we don't get to or that you wanted to talk about that we don't choose as a topic, um, let us know because this kind of thing will happen every once in a while. And I'm happy to like just keep a list of things that we can um, that we can go through as topics. And uh, next week we'll go on to the next episode. And my assumption is that Rabbi Pranic will be
0: back.